the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what was sin 3,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, it's still sin today. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24, and I entitled this message, Bad News. Don't you hate getting bad news? Of course you do. It's like we all do. It's when we get a phone call that a dear loved one has passed away. It's when an accident happens. It's getting unexpected news. It's just bad news, like getting fired from a job or finding out that the person you love no longer loves you. Yes, life will have its seasons of Really bad news. And the news as we look at here today is not only troubling news, but it's the worst news that this world could ever see. For it's the news of the end of the world that Jesus talked about. For we will look at what Jesus has given us as a sneak peek into the events that will shape the end of time. In all Jesus' public disputes, We're all over at this point in Matthew chapter 24. He had just finished royally and totally rebuking the religious leaders of the day. And as he told them, he said, Woe is you, or better translated, grief, sorrow, and misery on all of you blind guides. He called them hypocrites. Jesus said the religious leaders were like whitewashed tombs that were filled with dead men's bones. They were beautiful on the outside, but inside it was death and decay. Jesus said, you guys are snakes. You're nothing more than a brood of vipers. How will you escape the sentence of hell? Wow. I don't know about you, but those are not the words that I want to hear from Jesus to myself. Yet, these worthless hypocrites, while hearing these words, instead of falling on their faces and repenting before the Lord, they were in the midst of planning to have Jesus literally crucified. Well, after walking out of the temple area, the disciples started talking to Jesus, which started what we commonly referred to as the Olivet Discourse. It started on the temple steps, and it was continued on the Mount of Olives. Jesus will pull from Old Testament prophecies and will thread them together into New Testament prophecies here, giving us a clearer picture of what the end of time will look like, with incredible insights from the Lord himself. The Gospel of Matthew records two very long and impactful sermons that Jesus gave. 
The first, of course, was towards the beginning of his ministry. We know it and refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this at the north end of the Sea of Galilee, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Then his last big sermon is found here in Matthew 24 and 25. His first message, the Sermon on the Mount, mainly dealt with the practical side of living our lives in a real and sincere walk with God. It's practical Christianity, you could say, because the heart of the matter is always the matter of the heart. It's interesting to note here, though, that before giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was baptized, and after giving the Olivet Discourse, Jesus was crucified. Before giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was tempted by Satan, and Jesus proved that the tempter could not conquer him, while after his last message, Jesus proved that the tomb could no longer conquer him either. In Matthew 24, Jesus deals with end times prophecies. In Matthew 25, he deals with end times parables. But here today, we can consider what he said here at the beginning of Matthew chapter 24. Let's start with this thought here, looking at the future. Why don't you drive and I'll read. So in Matthew 24, 1, it says, And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to him to point out that the temple buildings were beautiful. And he said to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Man, aren't you glad that they asked that question? I mean, we're not just going back to the Old Testament and picking up prophecies that say, what's it going to look like at the end of time, the apostasy, you know, the apocalypse? What's it going to look like? No, here the disciples go and ask Jesus himself. Well, here's the beginning of the bad news. Let's put this into context, though. They had just witnessed Jesus completely cleaning the clocks of the religious leaders. These leaders were asking Jesus questions, only to try to make him stumble in front of the people. How foolish of these religious leaders. They were truly blind guides, as Jesus called them, for he outsmarted them at every move. And because their hearts were filled with ill motives, it blinded their eyes from seeing clearly. This is a good place to make this point here, that sin causes our spiritual insight to be impaired. Sin causes us to not see the things that God desires us to see. And in this case, they missed the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world. So as they're exiting the temple, the disciples hadn't a clue that Jesus was only going to be with them for only a couple more days. Yet, they were caught up with the beauty in the extravagance of the temple. Jesus was not impressed with what man had built here on earth. Let's not forget, Jesus was the God of creation in human form. His kingdom and his palace are in heaven, where his glory and magnificence is could not even be described in human language. Yet this temple here on earth was a sight to behold, though, for King Herod started building this temple in 20 B.C. 
So at this point, it's been a work in progress for some 50 years and would not be completed until right around 64 AD. Now, Herod was known as Herod the Great. He was a villain of a king, an extremely wicked man. Yet he had a flair to build, and the temple was his crown jewel. Now, during Jesus' time, the temple was one of the most impressive structures in the entire world. But Jesus, again, was not impressed, for he wept for the lost sheep of Israel, as he had said at the end of chapter 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. Yes, that's why Jesus wept for Jerusalem, because he had just rode in a couple days earlier on Palm Sunday. Everybody was rejoicing. You remember the event. Yet Jesus wept, for he knew their future. He knew that in just 37 short years that Rome would come in and destroy Israel and disperse God's people throughout the earth, and they would be gone for some 1,878 years from their own land. So Jesus spoke to his disciples. Their eyes were filled with awe of the beauty of what man was building with human hands. Jesus said in verse 2, not one of these stones pointing to the temple would be left unfazed. Jesus was saying, this temple is going to be completely and utterly destroyed. The disciples had a hard time processing what Jesus was saying. Notice, they spoke to Jesus about the temple as they were leaving. Then in verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, they approached him again. Now, for those of you who have traveled to Israel, I have been there some five times. Now, this is a decent walk there. They had to exit the stone-walled city of Jerusalem. They had to cross over the Kidron Valley. Then they had to walk up the Mount of Olives. Uh, they would, it, this would take approximately 45 minutes. Now, Jesus is sitting alone at the top of the Mount of Olives. And we're told in Mark's gospel, the four disciples came to him privately. It was Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They must have been talking amongst themselves as they were walking back from the Mount of Olives. What was the master talking about? The temple? That it's going to be destroyed? How can that be? What does that even mean? You know, when is this going to happen? Is it going to be sooner? Is it going to be later? So they approached Jesus and they asked him, when will all of this happen? And what sign will be the sign of the end of time? Man, what a, again, a great question. I'm so glad that they asked it. Because now we have the incredible bird's eye view of the end of time to what to look for as far as signs to show that the end is near from Jesus himself. Which brings up this other thought. Holding on till the end. Let me pick up and read again in Matthew 24, picking up in verse 4. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulations and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. 
Wow, Jesus, what if that sounds like anything happening today? Anyway, verse 11. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot to take in right there. So let's kind of look at it one piece at a time. Notice in verse 4, Jesus said, See to it that nobody misleads you. This is one of the one thing that Jesus repeats four times in Matthew 24. He doesn't repeat anything else four times. So when Jesus repeats something four times, you know there's got to be a little bit of truth in that. I mean, think about it. So how will people be misled, you could say? We're told in verse 5 that many will come in my name, Jesus said, that they're saying, I'm the Christ, meaning they're saying that we are the way to fulfillment. We are the way to the next life. We're told in verse 11 that false prophets will arise and lead many astray. This is why we must hold anyone and everyone who claims to be a teacher of God's word in any capacity, or those who say that they are a way to heaven, or even those who claim to have some key to life, the life hereafter. We must hold them all to a standard of God's word. Listen, God's word never changes, and his word will never change. You know, As we take a break here for one second, because this is a heavy text, I want to remind you of something before I forget about it. We're going to be going on a trip this October. So look, we're just here in May. We're at the beginning of May. So this is like, what, five months away. But we're going in this trip in October to the Holy Land. Now, we're not doing an Israel trip here. This is going to be called the Footsteps of Paul. So when you look at Paul's life, he was like the first evangelist. He went out. When you look at the Bible and you look at the book of Philippians, well, that was a letter that he wrote to the church of Philippi. You look at the church in Thessalonica. That's First and Second Thessalonians. It was the letters that he wrote. You look at the letter that he wrote to Rome. That was the book of Romans. And you see all these things in all these areas that Paul went to in the book of Acts. Well, we're going to go to all these places. We're going to go to Corinth, where the books of First and Second Corinthians. So we're going to go to Philippi. We're going to Thessalonica. We're going to Corinth. We're going to all the footsteps of Paul on his missionary journeys. We're even going to go to the island of Patmos, where the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. So, look, the fact is we've been over a year now. I mean, we're going on a year and some, okay, since we've been in this whole lockdown with the worldwide pandemic. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a vacation. Anyone out there listening right now that's ready to get away? Remember those Southwest commercials? Hey, Want to get away? Yes, like me. I want to get away. And it's like one of the things that I've missed amongst many other things is just being able to go and travel and what have you. Well, this trip is on. We were actually supposed to go this time uh, right now. Like basically while I'm speaking right now, we were going to be there. But we postponed this trip because of COVID. Now we are clearly in the open. They've opened up all the Greek islands over there. Everything's open. It's going to be half cruise. It's going to be a really relaxing time while we go on all these places. Now, I will say, 
If you go on this trip with me, you're stuck with me for two weeks. That's right. It's a 10-day trip. There's even a Rome extension that you can actually go to Rome where we're going to go to the Mamertine prison. But anyway, I would encourage you to go to our website, corechurchla.org, and check it out. And we're going with Imagine Travel. We're taking a whole group from our church. And if you're part of our radio audience, you are welcome to go with us. So, hey, come on vacation. Man, let's go and have a great time. We're even going to the island of Santorini. And I asked uh, our tour uh, host, I said, so what happened here biblically? And he said, absolutely nothing. He goes, but it's the most beautiful island in the Greek Isles. So anyway, come with me for a great trip. We're going to have worship. We're going to have Bible study every day. We're going to have great devotions, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So anyway, check us out at corechurchla.org. Well, anyway, getting back here to our study, you know, we have to hold those that are teaching God's Word to a high standard. You know, we have a new movement now, and it's called the progressive move in our whole country, which has taken us in a really bizarre direction. But there's another move that's happening in the church. It's called progressive Christianity. And when you talk to a progressive Christian, they'll tell you something like this. Yes, I'm a Christian. Oh, that's nice. Yes, I believe the Bible. I believe God's Word. Yes, I've asked Jesus in my heart as my Savior. Oh, that's great. So they sound like the full-blown, born-again Christian. But then all of a sudden, when you penetrate just a little bit deeper, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I don't believe that. Oh, well, I believe that this lifestyle is okay. Well, I have friends that are in this alternate lifestyle. And, well, you know, we just got to love everybody. Well, the Bible calls that sin. Oh, well, well, I don't believe that. So where they initially will say, I believe the Bible and and where I'm a Christian and all of this, all of a sudden when you start digging a little bit deeper, you realize, wait a second, no, wait a minute, no, you're refuting this and you're refuting that. Understand, if you don't like something in the Bible and you think, well, I don't agree with that, well, guess what? You're wrong. It's like, you're wrong. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what was sin 3,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago? Guess what? It's still sin today. So if you're thinking like, well, I don't believe that or I don't believe this, well, it's like, well, are you even a Christian? Because uh, a Christian means Christ-like or a little Christ. And it's like we are here not to come alongside God and rewrite his word. We're here to embrace what he has given to us. And so that's why we're told in Colossians 2, 3, it says, Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one may delude you through persuasive argument. You can't allow someone to come in and say, oh, yes, but, but God loves everyone and he loves all these other people. And, and if they're living in this lifestyle, it's okay because he loves them. Okay, now hold on. Let me define that. Yes, God does love them. He loves everyone. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But see, that's the key. We have to come to repentance. We have to stop, change directions in our life, and come to Him. So what does that mean, Pastor? What it means is this. Anyone can come to know Christ. I don't care what lifestyle you're living. I don't care if you're a prostitute, you know, homosexual. doesn't matter living with your boyfriend, girlfriend. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden and burdened down, and I will give you rest. Listen, God will say, he, he, will, he will forgive anyone from anything. But understand, once we come to know Christ, then we have to change. People will ask me, Pastor, if I come to Christ, do I have to change? Yes, you have to change. If you're a thief, 
You can't steal anymore. If you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and having you know, sexual relations with them outside of marriage, you have to cut that relationship off, at least the sexual part. You have to, you have to turn from your sin. You know, if you're a drunkard, you have to stop drinking. If you're in the massive drugs, you have to stop taking drugs. And look, the Lord will walk with you hand by hand, and he will walk with you every step of the way. But repentance means that you are walking in a particular direction, a lifestyle, what have you, and you stop and you turn and walk another direction. So in a biblical sense, repentance means stop walking your way and now walk God's way. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So this reminds me of women who were following Paul. Remember the one gal that was following him in the book of Acts? And, you know, she was saying, oh, this is a servant of the Most High God. You know, proclaiming the way of salvation. Now, she looked as if she was a true believer. Yet Paul turned around and commanded an evil spirit to come out of her. There's many people telling people today, not what they need to hear, but rather what they want to hear. But that's not what we need. See, the Bible is not always what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. It's like asking a small child, would they like a spanking or would you like to have an ice cream sundae? Well, I'm thinking every kid's going to say, no, I'll take the ice cream sundae over a spanking. But there's times that we need a spanking. See, most will always opt for the easy way out. But we have to be willing to listen to God's word and take the instruction. That's how we grow and mature in our walk with the Lord. This is why we're called to test those that we hear. The word test in the original language means to critically examine and examine what they're saying. Because we don't need to hear someone's opinion. Listen, you don't need to hear my opinion on something. I'm here to teach you what God's Word says. It doesn't matter what I think, or it doesn't matter what you think. See, God's Word's never going to be politically correct. Of course not. We have to examine it against God's Word, everything that happens by what He says. For it really doesn't matter, again, what anyone else thinks. And some might say, well, I don't agree with that. And maybe you're sitting there right there saying, oh, you know, you're way too—I've had people come to our church and say, you know, your problem is you're white, you're over 50 years old, and you need to become more progressive. And it's like, well, okay, the fact of whatever color my skin is shouldn't matter, and my age shouldn't matter. What matters is, what has God already said? Yet, we are here, and we stand before God— And we are going to be judged one day. Let's not forget, the Bible says it's appointed for every man and every woman to die once. And after this comes judgment. We're going to stand before God and have to answer for what we did and did not do on this side of heaven. That judgment is going to be based on what? His word. It's going to be based on his written law. It's not going to be based on our feelings. It's not going to be based on our emotions or what we thought about something. Well, I don't feel right about that. It doesn't matter how we feel. It matters about what God's word says. Let me ask you as we end this program here today. I wonder where you're at with the Lord. We're seeing a lot of crazy things happen in our world today. The wheels are kind of coming off. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, you know, crime is spiking everywhere. And it's like, you know, where are you really at with the Lord? I wonder if you are a true born-again Christian where you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart as your Savior. Or I wonder if maybe you've asked Christ in your heart as your Savior, but you've become, well, 
maybe like a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. You've kind of drifted away. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to get back and get right with the Lord. And it's like, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. If you want to get right with God, you can. Now, not everyone wants to get right with God, and that's everyone's choice. But if you, listening to this program right now, want to get right with God, you can. Because I can tell you this, God loves you. And if you're willing to turn from your sin, He will forgive you. And if that's your desire, you pray this right now, and God will hear you. Pray this now, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me and that you rose again from the dead. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Live inside of me. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. And be my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says, if any man or woman be in Christ, they become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. Listen, I'd like to send you a Bible. It's got a lot of helpful notes to help you. You can email me at Bible at CoreChurchLA.com. That's Bible at CoreChurchLA.com. Send me your name and address, and I'll get one in the mail to you. May the Lord God bless you. Joining us for Core Truth Radio, you've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 